Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. The MLB All-Star break arrives tomorrow, so it's a good time to look at some season-long NFL wagers. We do that in a moment with Connor Allen from 444. Did some terrific work on props that will win you money. If you listen, college football around the corner. So pro better Brad Powers will drop by with his favorite win totals. And Jim Miller talks MLB contenders and pretenders. Welcome into Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Find me on Twitter. Follow me there. Reach out at Joe Ostrowski. That's at Joe Ostrowski. Thanks to Cody Decker for filling in last week. Whether it's the Notes app, pen and paper, whatever you use, pay close attention to this insightful info. 4for4.com, numeral 4, F-O-R, numeral 4 again, dot com. They are killing it in the sports betting space. And the guy behind it all, the man, a uh, Chicago guy, he's the sports betting manager over at 444.com. His name is Connor Allen at Connor Allen NFL. A lot to discuss uh, with Connor, but Connor, congratulations. I know you guys have, have gone all in. You're making a ton of great hires. Like Ian McDonald's has been on this show a number of times, some really sharp minds over there. So uh, you guys are making it well known to the public that 444 is uh, no longer just a fantasy football spot uh, for some sharp minds. That's just people that are going to throw a video out and, and try to gain some traction in that way. Really quality, actionable information there. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate the introduction there. Yeah, we're uh, building a bunch of tools. We hired a bunch of great writers. We actually just hired a guy named Sharp Clark on Twitter. He hit 70% in an against the spread contest two years ago and went uh, right around 60% last year on sides uh, where we crank out a ton of player prop bets, a lot of good content there, a lot of great projections. So I think that we're, we're in a good spot heading into this year for football. Are you a draft betting guy now? Are oh, you yeah. one of the, oh, are yeah. you at the forefront? Oh, yeah. 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 I got I, in on, don't you wish uh, there was one every month? Oh, seriously. I mean, I, I, I don't know a thing about the NBA and I was all in on Paolo number one. Uh, you know, I hit Trevon Walker number one. And then even in the, in the NHL draft, I got on Slavkovsky. I think that's how you pronounce it. A 10 to one. Yep. And yep. all of those guys went first overall. It was, I mean, these last few months have been just an incredible month of betting. Uh, we should have talked about the Trayvon Walker. I know you were ahead of that move. I got Slavkowski at 15 to one. I, I know nothing about the NHL draft, literally nothing. But we, we had on a guest one day. I'm like, oh, so it's a 
pretty set here. I see minus 5,000 on this one player. <laughs> and that, that's the only market that's available to bet on. He's like, it ain't set. I'm here in Slavkowski. And that's when it was 15 to one. Here's my concern. My concern is guys like you and people that follow you on Twitter, listen to your various podcasts, consume your content. And I talk about it as well. Like the NFL and NBA draft, it's unreal. The opportunities that we have, it's an information-based market. It's not about, okay, let's see, we get some closing line value and we'll see what happens in the contest. It's all about the information that's out there. I, I'm wondering if we're going to have even fewer markets available, which is what we've seen already with the NFL happen in Vegas. So is it going to happen with these other domestic sports books? Why get hammered on it again and again? Or are they just going to be fine with losing to the Sharps, but they'll be fine against the public because you get the early sharp money. And like with the NFL, like with other markets, you just move it and let the public bet against that sharp line. Yeah, there were some good interviews after that, because that's a question that I keep asking myself as well. So there's a good interview with, uh, I think it was the sportsbook manager of like BetMGM. And he said that obviously they got hammered. Um, but the reality is, is that they said that they're going to try a bunch of different ways, whether it's lowering limits or moving lines more aggressively. Uh, but I, I don't really think that they're drawing enough like recreational action, you know, because the true people who are like mostly betting and putting a ton of money on it are kind of people like us who, you know, either have some kind of Intel or really grinding, you know, like the information markets. I think the NBA draft here is a perfect example. So on the day of the NBA draft, Woj tweeted out in the morning that the board was firmly Jabari Smith one, Chet Holmgren two, and Paolo Bonchero three. Whereas, I mean, a guy that I knew was like in the magic, he's in the magic front office and was like, like, we're picking Paolo. Like, I don't know what Woj is talking about. <laughs> we're picking Paolo. And so, you know, obviously at this point, I already have so much money down and I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm like, Woj doesn't miss like this. Like this seems mm -hmm. so ridiculous. When has there ever been an instance where the media what could miss this badly. Shams kept quiet, like all, all day. He did not like say anything basically. I mean, Woj then an hour before the draft, like backtracked and was like, Oh, I'm hearing it could be Paolo. And then like 10 minutes before he's like, yeah, it's, it's Paolo. So if he doesn't know, or if he's not asking the right people, like how could the sports books possibly know? So they're just going to get destroyed. Uh, and so obviously I would hope that they keep the market up as long as, as possible, you know, for us, but I have a feeling that we're going to get limits pretty pretty heavily here coming up yeah um and we'll see how long it lasts we'll see and, and then by Woj reporting that it gave another opportunity because it yep. completely swung the market and even other guys that typically do not miss that have so many contacts in the league oh i don't know let's go to the nfl remember when Schefter told us Time and time again it's mac jones going to, <laughs> to san francisco and we know what happened there no, exact same thing yeah. there. Exact same thing. And not to mention, even the NFL draft this year, like everybody was saying, oh, Aiden Hutchinson, he's the best prospect. He's going to go number one. Uh, and the markets reacted accordingly because they just, I mean, they move based on steam. But whereas we had heard, uh, oh, it's going to be Trayvon Walker. And then Peter Schrager came out like a week before the draft, two weeks before, and was like, I'm hearing that it's Trayvon Walker too. And then finally the NFL media came around, but that's not before we were able to hammer numbers that, you know, like, I mean, it opened at 30 to one, but by the time we got down to it, it was like six to one, three to one, two to one. And then, you know, obviously Trayvon Walker closed as like minus 400 favorite on draft day. Uh, rightfully so, after all the media came around. Uh, but it took a long time. Connor, you did some great work on season-long NFL props. I want to get to that in a few minutes. But first, let's hit on the Bears. And I don't want you pulling any punches. Early on, 
the win total opened at seven and a half and I was on the air right after I saw it and, and I couldn't believe that was the number. I, I was just guessing, okay, they're putting a whole lot into this soft schedule that the Bears have. And since then, it's gone down. We're at six and a half now. And we've now reached the point when some sports books, they're taking a number of win total bets and they're starting to report the action. Here are the five most popular bets that we're getting. Every sports book that I've seen report on the most popular win total, the most popular bet is Bears. And when you have popular win total bets, it's almost always on the over. But the most popular win total bet right now is Bears under six and a half. I'm seeing 95% of the bets. Seeing 95% line up on one side. Is that scaring you off Bears under at all? No, I mean, bears under seven and a half bears under seven are two of my biggest positions. I also took an alternate under on bears under five and a half wins. I think the only thing going that for them is their schedule and the fact that they don't have Matt Nagy. Uh, and I think that that's kind of, you know, weak analysis in the sense that we look at their current roster composition. We look at, you know, what they will be trotting out there. And it's really, really tough to, to, to paint the picture of them being a competent or even like league average team. Right now, their offensive line by PFF grades, by our grades of four for four, projecting to be a bottom three unit. It takes a lot of projection to get these guys even middle of the pack, uh, especially, you know, Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins, who have not played well. They obviously signed Lucas Patrick. That could be a good addition. But reality is, is. Overall, as a unit, they're one of the bottom three units here. And they're, they're pass catchers. They just did not surround Justin Fields with weapons. I mean, trading for Nikhil Harry's, I mean, a, a joke. Like, that doesn't really add anything. He can't separate. He couldn't do anything in New England. Darnell Mooney is a great, great number two. Uh, but I don't think he's a p- good enough to be a number one. Vilas Jones is 25 years old. I don't really put much any stock into what he was able to do against 18-year-olds, uh, you know what I mean, in his college career. And then Byron Pringle was, you know, obviously underutilized in Kansas City, but I think that there is a reason for that as well. So when you're looking at the coaching staff, you know, I want to like, I want to like Eberflus. I want to like mm-hmm. first-year offensive coordinator Luke Getze because of what it's time in Green Bay. But when you look at where he stood in, you know, the pecking order of like being in Green Bay, I don't think he was even like third or fourth in the totem pole in terms of, you know, Aaron Rodgers and, you know, the head coach, the actual offensive coordinator. He was the quarterback's coach. Sure, he probably learned something, but, you know, is he going to come in? Is he like a McVay-like guy, you know, having that kind of impact of working with someone like him? I don't really think so. So I'm not bullish on the offense at all. I think that they could be really struggle. And while I want to like Justin Fields, I was, you know, really excited about him as a prospect. It's tough for me to get on board with him just given these weapons. And, and beyond that, the, the defense traded away Khalil Mack, released Eddie Goldman, changing from a 3-4 to a 4-3 scheme. And now uh, Robert Quinn probably is going to get traded as well. I mean, his status is totally up in the air. Between Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, I mean, those are the two guys that provided the most pressure on the defense last year. So I could not be more out on this Bears team. I think they have a bottom five roster, top to bottom. It would take Justin Fields having like a Deshaun Watson-like season um, for them to even approach like seven or eight wins. The NFC North is probably going to be bad again, but it's interesting. We just talked about how the Bears under win total is so popular. Another popular one is the Lions over the win total. Same thing, six and a half. And then people aren't quite sure what to do with the Packers post Devontae Adams. And then there's Minnesota. What's your opinion of the Minnesota Vikings? 
I like the change at the top. When you go from Zimmer to an offensive mind like O'Connell and you have one of the best receiving cores in the entire league. Now, people are always hesitant to back Kirk Cousins. I'm more hesitant about the Vikings because while Kevin O'Connell has been involved in some good offenses and learned under some great minds, he hasn't been the guy, the play caller very much. And now your head, head coach slash play caller with the Vikings. So do, do you feel like you have a strong grasp of what we're going to see with the Vikes? Uh, I do have a strong grasp of what we're going to see with the Vikings, but only because of, you know, what I've heard. So, uh, you know, through the grapevine here, I've heard that basically the Vikings brought in O'Connell to go pass heavy. So, you know, kind of throw out what we saw with, um, you know, the old, with which is Mike Zimmer. If you looked at kind of their pass down rates, so early down pass rate, the Vikings last year passed at 50% of the time. The Rams passed 57% of the time. Pass rate over expectation. The Rams passed 4% over expectation. The Vikings passed 2% under expectation. As you mentioned, though, you know, O'Connell was not calling plays, but I do anticipate. And from what I have heard is that they specifically brought him in to, you know, quote, sling the ball all around. So mm -hmm. if that's not what he's going to come in and do, you know, you probably will see the exit very quickly. And uh, now is that the optimal thing for them to do? I think that's a whole nother discussion. I don't really know, but for the way that I'm approaching it is I think that Adam Thielen, you can look at his player prop number. I mean, that opened at 700 yards, uh, which is super low. Uh, it's still at 750 in most books. You know, as long as he plays three quarters of the season, he should over that with uh, Kirk Cousins throwing the ball so much. So I think that that's a good, a good play there on the Vikings. But in terms of like how good they're going to be, I'm torn because I'm not sure that Kirk could handle all the volume. But at the same time, I think that if, O'Connell is able to kind of implement some of the McVay schemes from, from the Rams. I think that they could be a very interesting offense. So regardless, that's probably my favorite way to play it right now. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, The Score. My guest, Connor Allen, sports betting manager, 444.com. Couple win totals that are juiced more than any others. I'm wondering, why don't they just bump the number? Is there a reason that they're willing to put the juice at minus 150, minus 170 on teams like the Ravens, juice to the over, nine and a half most spots? And also the Jets are one of those real popular win totals, and they just keep raising the juice, minus 160, minus 165. So one thing I'm noticing is they're not willing to bump the win total. They have this extreme juice. Why is that? And then also, if you shop around, why is it that on almost every team, we see a difference by a half win, and in some cases, a full win from sportsbook to sportsbook? Yeah, I think that's actually probably one of the biggest advantages and something that we've added to our site at 4 for 4 is being able to kind of like compare the odds all in one screen. Because as you mentioned, you know, getting an under 10 and a half versus an over nine and a half or, a, you know, nine and a half obviously is a big difference in terms of a win probability standpoint. Uh, you know, obviously the odds usually end up kind of, you know, correlating in terms of, you know, under 10 and a half at minus 160 versus, you know, under nine and a half at like plus money. But at the same time, I think that, you know, being able to lay a little bit more juice on a better number for win totals is something that's that's pretty smart. But speaking specifically about the Jets, uh, this is something that I was just looking into. I think that sportsbooks just don't want the extra liability at a different number, essentially. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if for them to move to six, you know, they're taking on extra liability if they get a bunch of like under six money or, you know, under whatever, like if they ended up moving to six and a half, you know, and, and ends up middling themselves essentially in terms of their liability. So I think that right now they're probably just going to continue moving the juice rather than, you know, leaving themselves open to potentially getting middled in some way or another. That's probably my reasoning. You know, again, I'm not a, a sports book manager of like an actual sports book here, but I think that 
uh, that is probably the reason why. Right before we get to uh, the props, I know you have uh, strong stances on a couple of other teams that seem to be pretty popular this offseason on the NFC side, Philadelphia, AFC, Indianapolis. Yeah, I like the, the Eagles here to potentially win the division as well as over their win total. I grabbed that at eight and a half, still at nine and a half, I think is reasonable, but I'd probably rather just bet on them to win the division at this point. They traded for A.J. Brown, you know, added N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis in the draft. They also signed Hassan Reddick in free agency and added cornerback James Bradbury as well. They have like a top five offensive line by almost every metric. A lot of it's going to come down to Jalen Hurts. You know, I think that that is still a very fair question to see whether or not he is capable of, you know, commanding a, a top tier offense, but he has all the weapons, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, top tier offensive line, Miles Sanders in the backfield. If he can't take a step now with the roster that they have, you know, he just is not it very, very clearly cut and dry. Um, but I still think you're getting like plus 150 to plus 200 depending on the book you're at for them to win the division is a very solid look here. Kind of the same thing for the Colts here, just on paper, their roster I think it's significantly better than anyone else in the division. So taking the Colts here to win their division, which is still pretty close to even money, minus 105, minus 110 in a lot of spots. Uh, they've gotten significantly better this offseason. They have the third easiest strength of schedule, according to opposing win totals. Yeah, uh, they, yeah and they, they traded for um, Matt Ryan, or instead of now are out ridding themselves of Carson Wentz. And I think it's a pretty underrated pass catching group with uh, Michael Pittman. They added Alec Pierce. Uh, they still have Paris Campbell there. Obviously, defensively, you know, that was some of the questions, but they signed Stefan Gilmore and added Yannick Ngakwe after ranking eighth in DVOA last season. So I just think on paper, like they are far and away the best team, even better than the Titans, who, you know, had a good season last year. But I'm I'm a little bit down on this year. So I think the Colts uh, to win the division is a great bet as well. And that popped to me as well about the easy schedule for the Colts, third easiest in the NFL. Usually when you see that, that means the other teams in the division are right behind them. Well, the Texans have one of the toughest schedules in the entire NFL, and there's no other AFC South team in the top 10 easiest, along with the Colts. thought that was pretty fascinating. So in other words, they upgrade the defense by losing Eberflus. Is that what you're saying here? <laughs> I'm not, no? not going to go that far. not going to okay. go that far, but I, I do think that the on-field weapons are pretty good. <laughs> all, right, all right, very good. Uh, yeah, very underrated defense from year to year, and they upgraded the personnel. So watch out there with the Indianapolis Colts in a challenging AFC. All right, Connor Allen, 444.com. Need to get to your tweet thread. That went viral last week, and that's uh, much of the reason that I wanted to reach out to you. Fantastic work here. Uh, here's a tweet. Everybody listen closely. Connor Allen. Sports books have posted hundreds of NFL season-long player props for 2022 already. I analyzed 243 props from last season and found five interesting trends that will help you win money betting them this year. Connor, what did you uncover? Yeah, so the reality is with those 243 props is that Every single category and any way you break it down, the under is the way to go on betting these. So we break it down by category here. Rushing touchdowns hit the under 76% of the time. Passing yards hit under 74% of the time. Passing touchdowns, 74% of the time. Literally all of these, except for receiving touchdowns, was the lowest hit rate of the under, and it was still hitting 55% of the time. If you had blindly bet every single under of all 243, you would have been up around 68 units. So whatever, 68 times whatever your average unit size is, then which is, I think, insane. But at the same time, am I saying to blindly bet all the unders this year? Absolutely not. That lacks some context. But at the end of the day, it should influence your betting in terms of 
what you should be taking and why you should be taking them. So I guess the question to follow it up is why do unders hit so often? Mm -hmm. The biggest on the biggest reason is because of injury. So, you know, and most sports books, all your player has to do is play a single snap all season. A guy that uh, we took an under on would be Michael Gallup. So Michael Gallup over under opened at like 750 receiving yards in some spots. He is probably going to miss the first half of the season. I don't know why the sports would close that, but he's only going to play like half the year. Uh, and so if he plays a single snap, that that under wins. Uh, and then beyond that, too, if even if you have a player who comes into the season healthy, if their quarterback gets hurt and it's a receiver or a running back, that impacts the offense's efficiency goes down. That impacts the quality of the targets that a player is getting. There are so many different factors here that need to go right for a player to hit the over that for you to take an over on anything, like I mentioned with Adam Thielen, you know, we haven't projected for nearly 900 receiving yards. His over under was 700. So like you need like a good 20, 30% gap to feel good about an over. Uh, otherwise you should pretty much only be betting unders. Couple follow-ups was last year an outlier as far as injuries. It felt normal to me, but you did this study. So uh, wondering if we had more injuries to the skill positions than most seasons. And does this mean you, you were saying it doesn't mean bet all unders, but are you going to try to keep it 80, 20, 90, 10? Yeah. So right now I have nine under bets and two overs. So that would be, you know, in terms of everything, that is exactly what you're saying. Like keep it mostly towards unders, like, you know, it should be an 80, 20 kind of split. And if you're going to take it over, you need to feel really, really good about the difference there uh, in terms of like longer, you know, sample size here um, from where I got the data, you know, sports betting domestically is, is relatively new in terms of like what they're able to offer. But that being said, I did reach out to some professional betters. I got a little bit more insight. One uh, was actually reached out to me and said that he's been tracking this for 13 years. He said every single year unders have been hitting over 60%. So that was uh, yeah, that was his quote there. And it was not surprising, but He's been around for, you know, quite a while in the betting space and, mm -hmm. you know, reached out to me with that. So I'm going to try and dig more into that data to get specifics, but it makes sense. I think it truly does. I teased your website. Talk about actionable information. Well, you provide the last five minutes, real actionable information. All right. You gave us Gallup. Anything else you want to share with the score audience this morning as far yeah, as player so props? For sure. For sure. So uh, Ryan Tannehill, I took an under here on 3,700 passing yards. Barely got over that last season without Derrick Henry half the season. Now getting Derrick Henry back, lost A.J. Brown, should be far less efficient this year throwing to, you know, Robert Woods, 30-year-old, coming off a torn ACL, rookie Traylon Burks, uh, relatively raw, also already having conditioning and asthma issues apparently in camp. Even if those guys are both healthy, I mean, I can't imagine that Tannehill is going to match his seven yards per attempt, 67% completion rate. Uh, also, Titans drafted Malik Willis, who I think has a non-zero chance of seeing time at some point if things are not going well for the Titans. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I think that this under here, we have projected for around 3,500 passing yards. So I think you could play it at 3,600, 3,650, all good looks there. Um, I can give you one more here and I'll give you. I'll give you an over since, you know, people like to play the overs. I'll give you one of the ones that I actually feel good about. Travis Etienne, over 1,000 rushing and receiving yards combined. Uh, James Robinson's coming off a torn Achilles, something that essentially no one has come back successfully from. And we saw Cam Akers last season in the playoffs come back from it, but he averaged 2.6 yards per carry and looked like one of the worst running backs in the NFL. Uh, and so now <laughs> Travis Etienne, obviously – uh, former collegiate uh, teammate Trevor Lawrence should fully be supporting him on the field in terms of receiving work, in terms of early down work. Uh, I expect with this revamped Jaguars offense here, now getting Doug Peterson in the door, getting, you know, clown show Urban Meyer out 
Uh, I think that we're they're in a great spot for this offense, not only to send, but for Etienne to play the majority of the snaps with the majority of touches here. So, I mean, I think that he's a threat to approach like 1,400, 1,500 rushing receiving yards. And that's like if he's fully on the field, even if somehow James Robinson comes back and plays a role, over 1,000 rushing receive, receiving yards should be no problem. This was great, Connor. I know our uh, audience learned a ton about season-long betting heading into uh, the the upcoming NFL season. Let's do this again before uh, we kick it off for good in September, all right? Oh, absolutely. Anytime, Joe. Appreciate you having me on. Connor Allen, sports betting manager, 444.com at BetSperts, at Connor Allen NFL on Twitter. It's time to start diving into some college football. How about we check in with a market maker? When my next guest bets a college football win total, the books take notice, and they usually move the number. So keep it here. Good stuff coming up. You've got Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m. on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. The Score listener line is open 24-7, 365, empowered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Back here on Early Odds. Hi, I'm Joe Ostrowski. Brad Powers is a pro better that focuses on college football told me on BetQL daily between week one bets, win totals, title, conference, Heisman futures, Powers has about 250 bets in. 250! Wow. He joined me on BetQL daily, and we started with a team he likes for the upcoming season. Take a listen. If there's one team that I think is being undervalued, I go out west of the Pac-12. It's Utah. I, I have bet them multiple different spots, whether it's their season win total over eight and a half, whether it's you know Utah in week one against Florida. I bet them as an underdog. They have flipped a favorite in that game. I guess the pricing for, for Utah, i just not, not sure why they're not getting enough respect in the market. We're talking about the defending Pac-12 champs, return their quarterback, return their head coach, offense and defensive coordinator. Only 12 Power 5 teams can just answer those. Yes to those four questions as far as stability. They got a returning running back by the name of Tavion Thomas that ran for 21 touchdowns a year ago. Uh, They're built really well at the line of scrimmage. Utah over eight and a half season win total is still one of my favorite season win totals left out there. The Utes are being undervalued. Brad, I'm fascinated by how quickly Lincoln Riley can get things up and running at USC. Uh, What's your thought on them, win total, uh, their projection for this year, and do you think it's a year one instant uh, kind of boom for Lincoln Riley at USC. So, yeah, I didn't want to be long-winded there. Uh, if there was an overrated team uh, in in the country as far as Power 5, I think it's USC. Now, keep in mind, in my power ratings out of po- all the Power 5 teams, I have upgraded USC more than any other Power 5 team in the country, and yet I still think they're the most overrated. So I just think the market is treating them like a borderline playoff team right out of the bat. I don't see that. I see a team that's very capable of at least doubling their win total from a year ago, going from four to eight wins, maybe nine wins. Season win total for USC right now is nine and a half. I don't see 10 wins on their schedule. And I get it. A lot of people are in love with all the additions, starting with Lincoln Riley as head coach, Caleb Williams at quarterback, and you know Jordan Addison, wide receiver. USC still has some depth issues, so they can ill afford to have any injuries, forget quarterback, any position, if they get into any injury problems, they have some concerns there. So I am selling USC. I'm going under nine and a half as far as their season win total. 
Brad, don't worry about uh, being long-winded here. We're here to learn from you. We want as much information as possible, so people want to hear you. Uh, win totals you've hit. You mentioned uh, USC there under 9.5, Utah over 8.5, two of your favorites. Uh, how about some other win totals you really like? So, some of them are my absolute favorite win totals are probably long gone, but I mean, I'll tell you a couple yeah. that I thought were just flat-out mistakes. DraftKings, Open Marshall's season win total, five and a half. Uh, that one was off two and a half games. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot when you got a 12-game schedule. I mean, I expect that one that's at like seven now. I'd still bet over seven. So that's how far that was off as far as Marshall. Air Force is a team that I'm quite high on. You know, typically service academies don't return a lot of experience. Air Force, you know, is breaking that mold this year. 15 returning starters. Uh, they're, they're a team that won 10 games a year ago. And there was nothing fluky about it. In fact, it was fluky that they didn't win more. So, uh, you know, Air Force is a team that I bet over seven and a half wins. I bet them to win the Mountain West Conference. Those are a couple of small teams that, uh, I, you know, I just thought were grossly mispriced in the market. What other week one bets do you like? I know you mentioned Utah. Is there anything else you like on that week one board? So out of the 240 bets, I can tell you 62 are week one. So I, I like a lot. Ooh, let's go. Let's go. That's, uh, <laughs> I, I, let's just put it, I am involved on almost every single game. Now, when I said I make a lot of these bets, keep in mind, I mean, I didn't anticipate having this many bets this year. I just think the market's been that far off. I just think the uncertainty has created a lot of value in the market. So when, when you know, the, the games that are still out there to be had, uh, you know, anything less than a field goal on Utah against Florida, I think it's good. It's two, two and a half right now. I, I think that line closes three. You know, I, I played Ohio State minus 10 and a half against Notre Dame. It's up to 14 and a half. I'm here to tell you that number's going to 16, 16 and a half. So if you want to lay 14 and a half with Ohio State, you can do so now and get at least ahead of, of a point or a half, point, point and a half of line movement there. So, those are a couple uh, that I think are still out there and still have some value. I will say this, though. Week one opened up earlier than ever before this year. And we're talking most books were up at the end of May. That usually doesn't happen until the end of July, early August. So if you're lining up on game week, looking to bet a ton of week one college football, know full well guys like myself have been betting in that market for three months. So I'm not sure that if you're looking to dip the toe in the water, do so now. Don't wait until game week. Why the uncertainty? Why is the market um, like this? Is this a yearly thing that you find that you're able to do this two, three months out and, and get way better numbers? Or, or is there more to the uncertainty? I'm wondering if the NIL is, is kind of factoring in here that maybe the average better average fan can't quantify what this means for each team and Maybe you're able to do it a little better. Take us through why you think there's so much uncertainty and you're finding all this value in the market right now. Three things. Number one, there's this race to be first instead of a race to be right. So they are releasing stuff earlier than ever before. You know, week one, maybe one book would open up week one at Memorial Day weekend. Not every single book. Uh, so everyone's releasing earlier and earlier season win totals, week one markets, game of the year markets. That process has moved up even in the last five, six years, at least six weeks, if not two months. So race to be first. Second, uh, we're still dealing with some COVID aftermath. Keep in mind last year in college football teams were historically experienced because they got that extra year of eligibility uh, due to COVID. Uh, Now this year teams are historically inexperienced. All those guys that got the extra year that most of them have exhausted that extra year of eligibility. So, 
we're dealing with uncertainty in the market because these teams just don't return a lot of people. Three transfer portal. I mean, we're talking a, a thousand plus players uh, have transferred schools, and if you're not following it on a daily basis, uh, you can you can miss some stuff. I, everyone's going to know Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams went to USC. Not everyone's going to know a bunch of like starting offensive linemen transferred out. For example, Virginia, you know, was set to return three, four uh, starting offensive linemen. All of them hit the transfer portal. And now Virginia is a team that returns zero on the offensive line. So uh, those are three or four things uh, on why there's so much uncertainty. Talking college football with Brad Powers, Brad Powers Sports. Dot com. Before you know it, Brad, we won't have all these options for conference futures. You talked about liking Air Force. Any other conference futures you like? Yeah, you know what? I think there's still a, a few out there. You know, I can tell you, I know everyone wants to bet long shots uh, because they want to bet a little to win a lot. I'll give you a few here. Uh, Tennessee, if you can find anything above 50 to 1, I was able to find 100 to 1 to win the SEC. I think it's decent value. Now, do I think Tennessee's going to win the SEC championship? No. I mean, obviously, it'd be Alabama followed by Georgia. But if you're giving me a team that's, I think, the second best team in a division, uh, certainly I'll take, I'll take, you know, anything above 50 to 1 on Tennessee. So th- there's a long shot sort of, you know, a pizza bet there. I mean, if you really want to dive into it and, and want to get the, some of the conference favorites, you know, I, I bet Appalachian State, I think Coastal Carolina, they're inexperienced. Louisiana's inexperienced. is going to lead to App State winning the Sun Belt. So if you can get anything at 3-1 to one or better on App State to win the Sun Belt, I think that's solid value. Also, Toledo and the MAC, and I'm going smaller conferences because uh, there's still some value left to be had. Uh, Toledo, anything 4-1 to one or greater, I think they're the most talented team. And uh, if they don't win the MAC this year, I think their coach should be fired. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> I love it. What about the Pac-12? You mentioned you really like Utah. Did UCLA has one of the easiest schedules? Any any plays there with the Pac-12? I played Utah four to one. Uh, the mispricing there is, you know, Utah undervalued, USC overvalued. Did I, you know, shoot a, you know, go for a long shot in that conference? I didn't. Uh, you know, if there is a team, maybe Washington. That's probably being overlooked. They were so poorly coached the last couple of years, and I think they they, they really you know improved in the coaching ranks there. They hit the transfer portal. There's some uncertainty there, uh, especially uh, in a lot of areas of the Pac-12. I mean, there's a bunch of new coaches, Oregon, USC, and whatnot at the top. So I think Utah is a solid value. Anything above three to one on Utah is good. Uh, but if you're looking for a long shot, anything above fifteen to one on Washington. A lot of quality information there from professional better Brad Powers. Football here yet? Come on. Countdown's on. Well, baseball is here until they pause tomorrow. Let's talk make and miss the playoff odds with weekly contributor Jim Miller next. Thanks for listening to Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m. on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. The Score... Now it's time for Early Odds Weekly Contributor Jim Miller of Hawthorne Racecourse at Hawthorne Jim on Twitter. And tomorrow's the day, Jim. We get to take a breather, a reset, a, a time when I really like to take take a look and dive into the futures. That's uh, exactly when I bet Robbie Ray and a couple of other things that have hit in the past. So uh, it, it's going to be fascinating uh, to see where we sit after tomorrow. It is going to be fascinating to see. And the cool thing is you're basically at the halfway point here, Joe, maybe just a little bit beyond. Mm-hmm. But now you're 
talking about teams that you can determine, okay, not only are they going to win the division, it's are they a yes or a no to make the playoffs? Who's on a run? Who's on the hot streak going into the break? Who needs a break going into the break? Some hot streaks might get stopped a little bit here with the break, and that could be a little bit concerning. But right now, looking at the odds, there is a little bit of value out there if you're looking at teams to make the playoffs. I'll make the playoffs. Okay, let's go there. We've spent uh, plenty of time this season on division odds, but it's also strange with the expanded playoff format that we've had, even more so in recent seasons, because you wonder about the mentality of certain teams. Are they going to be in go-for-it mode once we get to the deadline? Or are they just fine making the dance as long as they're not going to be one of those top couple of seeds anyway? So uh, let's talk about which teams are going to make that push. Where, where are we going? Yeah, we talked two weeks ago about buyers and sellers at the break. And you got to think about that, too, because that's only a couple of weeks away. But hey, right. let's start in the American League East. Nearing the end of the week, every team in the AL East was 500 or above. And every team was in the playoff picture. Now, hmm. We'll get to the hottest team of all in a second in the East. But first off, Charlie Montoya got fired on Wednesday last week. And you're looking at the Jays. They were right there on the cusp of being in the playoff race. So you look at them to make or miss the playoffs. They're a minus 500 on the yes side of things. On the no side of things, they're three and a half to one. Do you think the Jays are in the playoffs? Yes, they've been playing some bad ball lately. And I've actually been frustrated by the odds. And maybe it's because... I'm one of those people that love all the talent on this roster. So I'm looking for a buy point on Toronto. So they lose a series, they lose a series, they lose a series. I'm like, okay, drop the odds already, but they're not. So that that's right. what's been frustrating me. So now the record is certainly not as impressive as it was a couple of weeks ago. Yes, I like Toronto. Of course, they're not going to win the division. They're way too far back. But that is a dangerous team that I do not want to play early on in the postseason. Now, the ALE story, the Yankees are playing 700 baseball. You have Tampa, who's been hot. You have Boston, who's been hot. You just mentioned Toronto. Baltimore, Baltimore, Joe, has gotten to within a couple of games out of the wild card. And it's amazing. You still look at their odds earlier on in the week. For a yes to make the playoffs, they were getting 15 to 1, minus 101 on the no end of things. Can the Orioles continue this run? And do they have any shot at all? 15 to 1 seems pretty appealing. Yeah, it, it does. And you're wondering if if I wait and they keep playing like this, am I going to miss the number? Because after the 15 to 1, where where do you go? There doesn't seem right. to be a team that has a ton of value. Here's my concern about jumping in right now. Is this the worst possible time to jump in after winning so many games in a row? They are now playing at Tampa Bay this weekend to finish up the first half. And we know how difficult the schedule is going to be. They have seventh toughest remaining strength of schedule. And to start the second half, it's three against the Yankees. It's four more against the Rays. I'd wait to see what happens over these next three series because after New York and Tampa Bay to start, things really do lighten up. Right. Cincinnati, Texas, and Pittsburgh. So that might be your time. My concern would be that people start to talk about this over the break and then 
bunch of 15 to one bets come firing in. And then the books are like, wait, we don't need to take this sort of liability. Let's let's lower this number. But I would hold off a little bit. The Orioles, it's not crazy. If you're not paying attention to what's going on with Baltimore, this is not just a recent thing. They have been the best run line bet in Major League Baseball, and it isn't close. They've been well above that 60% clip, the only team to do so all season. So they've been a nice play if you've been backing Baltimore. And it seems like the books have been a little slow to adjust. It was shocking to me the number of times that they were underdogs against this Cubs rotation. Then you shift over to Tampa. Tampa's a team that's only about a game and a half ahead of Baltimore, maybe a couple of games ahead of Baltimore heading into the break. Right now, they're minus 209 as a yes to make the playoffs, plus 155 as a no. But again, they're playing that ALE schedule. We've already talked about Toronto, the Yankees. You know what Boston can do if Baltimore keeps winning. I tend to wonder if maybe there's a little bit of value even on the no end on the Tampa Bay race. Boston has the toughest remaining schedule in Major League Baseball. They still have the Yankees 12 more times. Okay. Tampa Bay has the third toughest Yankees, nine Astros, six Blue Jays, 11 times. So, and and naturally you're going to see a lot of these AL East teams near the very top because they're going to beat up on each other a little bit. So nobody's going to have an easy road, but it looks to be tougher on Boston in Tampa Bay more than other teams. Fangraphs has, Red Sox and Rays both at 66% chance uh, to make the playoffs. There's probably going to be two that miss. It's going to happen. So that's the tough part, figuring out which team is going to tank moving forward because it's not going to be the Yankees. And here's the thing too, Joe. If our South Side team is going to make the playoffs, it may not be by winning the division. It may have to be through the wild card. So that's something that you have to keep an eye on there too because if the White Sox are in there, it means one of those AL East teams gets knocked out. And the White Sox are really kind of interesting right now because they're at a minus line on the yes and the no end of things. It's almost right around even money on both, which at the start of the year, you would have said that's crazy <laughs> when you were talking about a division winning team. And now they're talking about just whether or not they're even going to make the playoffs. They're a coin flip, a coin flip to make the playoffs. And they're sitting in third place. Yep. I don't know that they should be. Uh, started the season 12 to 1 viewed as a true contender, fifth or sixth favorite to win the World Series. Now that number heading into the All-Star break has dropped all the way down to 40 to 1. And based on what we've witnessed, this half certainly justified. And somehow in the same division, Cleveland is still a 2 to 1 to make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely amazing to me because they've played really good baseball. You see how they've matched up against the Sox this season. There is some value here, Joe. I just think there's value all over the place. If you can just watch and like you say, shop your odds and the timing, make sure the timing's right. But uh, this is a great time to look at these odds and then look at the schedules to see how things line up. Absolutely. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score with weekly contributor Jim Miller of Hawthorne Racecourse. Anything grab your eye over on the National League side? You know what? On the National League side, a team that you've loved, that we've talked about time and again. They made the managerial change earlier on in the year with Joe Girardi oh, being boy. pushed out. Yeah, Your fills are much like the White Sox right now. They're just slightly minus money on both the yes and the no end to mm-hmm. make the playoffs, which is really surprising to me because you look up and down things on the National League side, they're just right there on the borderline to be that last team in, and they've actually played some really good baseball. They have. 
And it's without Bryce Harper. Kyle Schwarber just won't stop mashing. I'm looking forward to watching him in the home run derby. So I'm holding out hope. I still believe top of the rotation, they're strong with everyone available that they can mash with anybody else in major league baseball. So I'm still holding out hope in the Phillies, but don't feel as strong as I did earlier on. What about the other really hot team in the game right now? We, we neglected to mention them. They're a coin flip to make the playoffs. How about this Mariners comeback? Some How of the projections have them at a 45% chance of making the postseason. Well, and the thing about the Mariners, I mean, that was like kind of the hot young team that everybody was talking about early on in the season as a team that could contend. And then they got off to that real slow start and you didn't know what to do with the Mariners. But here's the thing. They're a positive run differential right now in the American League. And there's only a handful of teams that are really on that positive side of things. Mm-hmm. And this is a team that has been rolling along. And again, in a division that is a little bit in dismay, you tend to wonder if you're going to ask some sellers on that side of the division when we hit the uh, trade deadline. But what do the Angels do? What do the Rangers do? What does Oakland do? Mm-hmm. If you get a bunch of sellers in there, that pushes a team like Seattle into the playoffs and again knocks out one of those AL East teams. Seattle with the fifth easiest remaining schedule. Some of those teams you just mentioned, Texas, the Angels, 11, nine more against Oakland. So Seattle to make the playoffs a pretty good look there in an American league that outside of the East is not the toughest. All right, Jim, what about the ponies today? All right, well, so we're sticking with home cooking. We had a winner at Hawthorne last week. So all three horses at Hawthorne, because we have stakes racing taking place on Saturday night. In race number three, bet the two, Anna's lucky star to win. Race five, bet the three, Apple Valley across the board. And race nine, bet the four, do over Hanover across the board. And we'll see if we can make some money and get ready for some home run derby wagers, show. Oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Jim Miller, Hawthorne Racecourse, at Hawthorne to Jim on Twitter, except for that pool host part. Why is Albert pool host in my home run derby? Get out of here. Looking forward to your first round exit. Uh, Jim, <laughs> let's talk again next week. You got it. Good luck, Joe. I hate it, but they're making me fade Pete Alonzo again. He's the favorite because he should be. This is his event. Pujols, 22 to 1. Should be 100 to 1. Soto, Cunha range, 7 to 1. Looks real tempting. Uh, If you missed it, Connor Allen breaking down season-long NFL props and Brad Powers college football win totals. I highly recommend downloading the Early Odds Pod or going back on the Odyssey app. Subscribe to BetQL Daily as well. Best of luck with your open championship bets. Cash those tickets and keep it locked here on 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.